Amen. Thank you, Lucas. Praise team. Good morning, church. Man, it is a joy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, Happy Independence Day. I have got my red, white, and blue on this morning to help celebrate what we're doing today. And uh, man, it's uh, we live in a, in, a, in a nation where we can worship freely and gather together. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is the aspect of worshiping together as a body of believers. And uh, so we have that, that luxury, that, that freedom to come together without fear of, of persecution. And, and so that's really something to be thankful for um, and to be mindful of and, and to celebrate that freedom. And now, I, I love this country very dearly. I am a combat veteran. I'm a third generation veteran. I am uh, a Native American. I have all these things that would make that I really love America and I love the freedoms that we have, but it by no means compares to the freedom we have in Christ, right? And that what it means to be a citizen of heaven is such a greater joy to be uh, that title bestowed upon me than an American. Uh, and so, yeah, we do have these things to be proud for, to celebrate. Uh, the things that we have been given by our Creator, God. Um, but first and foremost, man, the freedom that we have in Christ is far better and far lasting than what we have uh, as Americans. So that's what also we need to celebrate this morning. Uh, for those of you who are new and visiting, uh, just a little disclaimer. Uh, our senior pastor is on summer sabbatical after 25 years of manning this pulpit and being our senior pastor and and serving in that way, the church decided it'd be the best to kick him out uh, for three months to get a nice sabbatic leave and to, to rest and, and to come back fully charged. And so um, I am the youth pastor here. And uh, next Sunday, I'm taking nine youth to summer camp. So please be in prayer for me. Um, and so I come back and turn back around and plug right back in. But next Sunday, we will have uh, guest speakers. We have the Silvas, who are on furlough as missionaries in Germany. They will be sharing with us next week, so uh, please be here next Sunday to hear what they have to share um, through everything that God has put on their heart. Uh, and today we're going to wrap up this little mini-series that we've been doing and talking about worship. So the first message that we talked about was why do we worship? What does it mean to worship? Uh, last week we talked about individual worship and what do we do in our quiet time and our, our private worship? And today we're going to talk about worshiping together, why it's important that we gather as a body of believers, as a body of Christ, to worship God together in spirit and in truth. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So this morning, uh, turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to kick off the first of four points in your bulletin. And the first point is that we are meant to gather together. We're meant. We are called to worship together as a body of believers. And so we're going to look at Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 this morning to start that ball rolling. And it says in verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So it's very important. There's a biblical mandate 
that we are to gather together, not neglecting to meet together, but we come together as a body of believers to do what? To stir up one another, to love and good works, to encourage one another until the day of Christ, until the day draws near. And so this is what we gather together to worship, to encourage. We're not meant to walk alone in this race, in this life of following Jesus. We are to do it together. Um, we are to worship together. And so the, to narrow down that verse, it basically just says, come to church. And then when you come to church, don't just come to church, but be the church. And when we're being the church by doing what? By encouraging one another, stirring each other up in love and service. And so if we're doing these things, if we're gathering together, God's people, in unity, in spirit and in truth, if we're encouraging one another, if we're spurring each other on in love and service, man, that we are, we are pleasing God in doing that. That is an aspect of our worship. The gathering of his people together is an act of worship. So remember, anything that we do that pleases God is an act of worship. And so we want to please God by our coming together. Worship, again, is not us-centered. It's not me-centered. It's Christ-centered. It's God-centered. We want our worship to please God and be centered on Him. And so there'll be some that we've, we've inadvertently proven through COVID that it's okay to stay home and watch church on TV. You know, pre-COVID, no, you can't stay home and watch church on TV, but COVID, all of a sudden, it's okay. We can't come to church, just stay home and, and tune in on the, on the live cast. And those things was a great tool until we figured out that we could come back together. But the problem is, sometimes we don't come back together. Sometimes those stay away. Sometimes those come back. And as a church, we're just called to gather together. We'll keep gathering. If there's 15, if there's 1,500, we're going to keep gathering and worshiping God as a church body. And so, you know, there might be some that want to say, well, I can just stay home and watch TV, not in a bad way, but stay home and just, maybe I want to watch Joel Osteen and worship. There's two problems with that, but one of them is not gathering. We are called to gather as a body. Uh, the other problem is self-explanatory, but the one problem is we have to gather together. Now, the Bible doesn't give us much clear guidance on how to be solitary Christ followers. But it gives us passage after passage of Scripture on how to do it as a body, how we gather together, how we come together to encourage one another, to edify one another. Um, how It even gives examples on how to, uh, uh, the, the body has many parts and pieces to come together to make one body. Uh, it gives us examples of, uh, of even how to church, practice church discipline and how to rebuke one another. We can't do that if we're not together. And so the Bible gives us plenty of, of God's word telling us that we are to come together as a body in this form of corporate worship. And the term corporate worship didn't mean much to me before I went to Bible school and learned what it really meant. Because the term corporate just sounds kind of cold. And, and I think of cubicles and, and things like that and gray suits when you think of corporate. But that's not what corporate worship means. Corporate worship means we're just gathering together as a body in unity to praise God. And so when we gather in corporate worship, it pleases God. And corporate worship is not a spectator sport, right? 
We don't come in here and watch worship or view worship. We come in here to participate in the worship, participate in praising God, giving him glory for what he has done and because he's worthy of our praise. That's what we do when we come together corporately. So the first point is that we gather together because we're meant to gather together to worship. The second point is that we worship together to build our faith by hearing God's word. So if we're doing all these other things and we're coming together, we're spurring each other on to love and good works, we're encouraging each other, we're leaning on one another, we're singing these praises, but if we're not hearing from his word, we're missing a crucial aspect of the gathering, right? We come together to praise him and to learn about him, but we also come together to build and grow our faith. And we learn and we build our faith by hearing his word. And so if, we, if we're showing up and we're expecting to grow in our faith and to do all these things, but we have to hear his word. That's where we get our spiritual nourishment. That's how we get fed, is through his word, by hearing his word, by being in his word. And it's such an, a, a privilege to be able to sit under pastors and, and serve with pastors who stand firm on God's word, like Pastor Scott and Pastor Greg, who don't lean to the left or to the right, but who are firmly grounded in his word and who teach through his word, verse by verse, so we can be fed. At no point in a believer's walk should we ever say, I've had enough feeding, I'm good, I know it all. We should constantly be learning, taking in his word, and letting the Spirit show us new things, new, new understanding. And his word is chock full of new things for us to glean and to learn from. So we have to be in his word. If we want to worship together as a body, we worship together to build our faith by hearing God's word. So I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 10 in verse 17. Gives us a little more clarity here on why we do this. So in Romans 10 verse 17, Paul writes, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So in order to grow and to build my faith, to grow in the Lord, I have to hear the word of God be preached and taught so that I can receive it to grow. And so I like this translation a little different. I, never, I rarely, rarely go to the Amplified Bible for, for pulpit teaching. But I like the way it puts this verse because it adds a little bit to it. So the Amplified says it this way. The same verse says, So faith comes from hearing, which is what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message concerning Christ. So if I want to build my faith, if I want to grow, if I want to worship God through being in his word, then I need to hear the preaching of his word. Right? I'm not going to grow in my understanding of his word if I don't gather together with the saints and hear his word be taught. So I can need to hear his word. So yeah, I can go home and put on a podcast in my car on the way home and listen to someone teach and to hear his word. I can do that by myself, but it's different when I'm doing it together as a body of believers in spirit and in unity 
And I'm going to give you this little, little nugget of information here. This is, a, this is free and at no cost. Hearing a great message on a podcast or something is great, but it's no substitution uh, for the impact that can be had by sitting right in front of your pastor, eye to eye, face to face, hearing his word be taught. Because the connection between a shepherd and the flock is, is just invaluable, right? Because your pastors know you. They've walked through stuff with you. They prayed for you. They understand what's going on. And they have been communing with God about what to teach directly to you, to the local church. And so it's, it's, it's a great thing to be actually present in the gathering, in the building, with your pastors praying for you, teaching, your word, teaching the word to you. And one day, we're going to have to give an account for your soul and for our teaching. And so look in Hebrews chapter 13, if you have your Bible this morning. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. But Hebrews 13, verse 17, says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those, will, as those who will get, have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And then even in the verse 18, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. So not only do we have to give an account for what we're going to stand up here and deliver and teach to you, but also pray for us because we covet your prayers. And so that's not meant that you don't, we don't gather together and we don't hear God's word taught and then we don't go home and just take it for granted or take it as that's all we need to do. We are to take what we hear and test it against Scripture, right? Scripture says to test everything. And so we are to test it as well. But we worship together by hearing God's word. So we're gathered, we're mandated to gather together. We seek his word, we're taught his word, we read his word. And then the third thing, we worship together by praying and singing His praises. And so this morning we had the opportunity to sing some awesome praises to God. And, um, you know, it's, it's about Him. It's about praising God. It's not about me and what songs I like or what song, you know, this is, suits my taste better, this type of song. It's not about us. Worship is Christ-centered, is God-centered. It's not me-centered. And so when we sing those praises, we sing to the Father. But we also, because of Christ, because of Him being the great, our, our advocate and our mediator, by the blood that He shed that closed the gap that we had between us and God, and we have the great privilege of going directly to the Father in prayer. And because He is our, our advocate and because we go to God in prayer, it pleases God when we come to him in prayer, just like we talked about last week in our private time, in our individual time, when we're in our, in our prayer closet or going through our, our prayer list, man, that pleases God when we are praying, taking our, our, uh, our things to the Lord, um, our supplications and prayers, that's what I was looking for. When we take those to the Lord, he's pleased. And so when we do it together as a body, he is certainly pleased when we gather to lift him up in prayer. And so, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses eight, uh, 1 through 8, 
says this, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to knowledge, the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Again, this is a, not a suggestion from Paul that we should pray. This is a mandate telling us to pray. And not only is he telling us to pray, he urges us. He says, I urge you to pray. And in verse 3, it says, this is because it is good and it is pleasing to God. God takes pleasure. He finds our, our praying to him pleasing. And he, Paul urges us to pray and lift holy hands. Again, this is a great aspect of our corporate worship. When we come together, we're hearing from his word. We are praying for those around us. And this even says pray for our leadership. Pray for those in authority over us. Pray for our neighbor. Pray for those around us. Um, pray for those who are sick. We come together as a body of believers to pray for those. In James 5, 14 and 15, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Again, God is pleased when we bring our prayers of thanksgiving, our intercessions, which is praying for the salvation of those that we know that need to know Jesus, and our supplications for others, and those who are, like I said, those who are sick, let them come. As we gather together, let those who are sick come, and let the elders lay hands on them and pray over them for their sickness so that they can be healed if it is in God's will that he can do a work and, and heal them. And so God is pleased in this. And so when we're going to God in prayer, not only are we just asking for things, but we're acknowledging his divine power, that he is God, that he alone has the authority for these things. He is our provider and our sustainer. He is the one who we're giving praise when we pray. And often, this is the second part of that third point, is that often our prayers will lead us into song, right? If we look at the, uh, at the Psalms, which are a great example of turning praise or turning our prayers into praise, right? David was, wrote the majority of the Psalms, and most of the time in the Psalms, David was facing troubles. He was, uh, people were after him, and he was praying, God, I need you. I need you to deliver me. And out of those prayers of, of help came praise. His heart reflected praise even in those hard times. And so um, it, it was a, he's a great model for us as we draw nearer to God as our, our prayers can elicit a praise response from us. No matter if times are hard, we can pray and we can praise. Um, we can sing his praises when it feels like everything is closing in around us. We can sing his praises. 
We can, we can sing his praises when we're grateful. We can sing his praises when we're just awestruck by who he is and what he's done. We can find any reason to, to bless the Lord by our lifting our voices to him in praise and, and singing. And so this is, we, we, we think a lot of God bless them, bless us, or even when somebody sneezes, bless you. But it's, we want to, we can bless God, right? It says that we want to bless him through our praise, through our prayers, through our gathering. We are blessing the Lord and he is worthy to be praised. And so we want to bless him by lifting our voices to him. Again, it's God-centered. It's Christ-centered worship. It's not me-centered. We want to bless his holy name with a chorus of saints when we lift our voices and when we sing, you know, glory, glory is the Lord God Almighty, or our God is an awesome God. He reigns over heaven and earth. We want to bless him when our, with our voices when we, when we worship him in song. So turn to Psalm 96, and we're going to read the whole psalm. Don't worry, it's only 13 verses. It may sound scarier than that, but we're going to read Psalm 96. It's hard to cut off a passage when the whole thing just keeps talking about singing its praises. So we're going to read the whole thing. So Psalm 96 says this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the earth, or sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come into, the court, into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. What a heart of David to just want to praise God and praise him and say how he is so worthy of our praise. And again, this is David who's writing this. Now David was, had faults like all of us, no doubt. Uh, his heart for the Lord is evident. Anytime we read some of these psalms or even in uh, the accounts of his life, and, and you know, David wanted to praise the Lord. He didn't care that maybe he couldn't sing very well or that he doesn't like to sing. Out of the joy of his heart came singing. We hear, I, I've heard people say some, a lot of times, yeah, I just don't sing because it's not really my thing. 
Or I don't sing because I don't have a very good voice. Or, you know, I just, I don't feel it. Again, it's not about us. It's about him. And just like when, G- when God told Moses, I-, I know you don't speak well. In fact, I made your tongue. I made your mouth. I know the sound that comes out of there. God knows if we don't carry a tune very well, but he wants our praise anyway. He wants us to sing because we love him, because we're grateful, because he's worthy of our songs. And if anybody had an excuse to not sing, it was David. David was not just some kid with a slingshot. David was a mighty warrior king. In fact, when they saw David, they would sing songs that Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Like David was like, he was a macho king, man, when it came to kings. And if anybody had an excuse to not sing or even dance, it was David. But David sang with all his heart. And even when they were bringing the ark back into Jerusalem, and he was dancing in front of the ark because he had so much joy for the Lord. He wanted to give him praise and show him how much he loved his name and wanted to bless the Lord. And so we are called to gather, to be in his word, to pray together, and to sing his praises. Because he loves to hear us lift our voices to him. In Nehemiah 9.5, it says, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. So we are to stand up and bless the Lord. Another translation says, stand up and praise. So we're going to stand up and praise the Lord, bless the Lord with our singing. Nowhere in that Nehemiah 9.5 or in Psalm 96, nowhere in those two passages does it say anything about having to be a good singer or to sing on key or to enjoy singing. It just says stand up and do it. Stand up and praise because you're blessing the Lord. God knows our voices. He knows if we can't sing. That's why I don't, I'm not on this team. I'm more comfortable here because I don't have to sing. Singing's not my thing, but man, I love to sing his praises. And it brings him joy. It pleases the Lord when we sing his praises. So we should sing because we're alive in Christ Jesus, right? He has brought us from death to life. We're to sing because our debt has been paid. We're to sing because we've been set free from the bondage of guilt and shame. And we're to sing because Jesus is king, and he is worthy of our praise and our songs. That's why we should sing as a corporate body of Christ followers, as a body of believers in unity, we are to sing his praises. And so here's the fourth point of our corporate worship. We worship together in spirit and in truth. So we worship, we're called to gather, right? And when we gather, we want to be in his word, we want to pray together, we want to sing together. And here's the fourth part, we want to do it in spirit and truth. Because if we're not doing it in spirit and in truth, we may not be an offering pleasing to God. And so, we're going to look in John chapter 4, verse 23. John four twenty-three. And it says, But the hour is coming, and is here now, 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And so not only is this hour coming, but the, the time is here. The hour is now when the true worshipers, those who are in Christ Jesus, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father seeking people to worship. The Father wants us to worship him. Wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. So what does that mean exactly? It would take a whole sermon to properly try to address this, but I'll try to do it quickly. So to worship in spirit and truth means that our worship is not bound to rigid, legalistic laws and, and boundaries of how we can worship. Like in the Old Testament, we come to worship, you would have to bring the sacrifice. It would have to be this, this perfect, uh, unblemished thing, and you'd go through all the steps, and you'd have to meet the priest. We are under this covenant of, of grace and of Christ that where we have the freedom to worship freely. We worship however the Spirit leads. The Spirit may uh, cause us to, to worship um, in our backyard if there's, we're gathered together in other believers. We can worship anywhere. We're not bound to, we have to go to the temple. We have to go to the sanctuary. We have this freedom in Christ where we can worship freely. And so we don't have these these boundaries that we have to follow in regard to the law. Now, that being said, we are all called to worship in spirit because the spirit of God lives in us. We can have worship at the lake, which we're going to do next month at Hidden Lake. and It'll be an awesome time. But we can also worship here in the church. We can worship anywhere because the spirit is within us, but we also have to do it in truth, which means I can't say I'm worshiping in the spirit and be way over here doing stuff that is not in God's Word, that, is, that contradicts God's Word. We have to worship in the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to, to dictate and to move, but we also have to worship in truth. And what God's Word says is proper worship. Um, so we have the, the freedom to do that, but we also need the truth. And we know that uh, it has to be tested on what is true in Christ. His Spirit is in us, and He is the truth. Right? And so uh, Jesus is truth. The scripture is called, he, he's a true vine, right? He's the true bread. We see the scripture referring to him, he's a true shepherd. Uh, he, is the, he is the true temple, right? He's the, the true son of God. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. So if we're worshiping in spirit and we're worshiping Christ, we're worshiping, uh, we're not making up our own man-made worship, that's where we reel back into the spirit and truth and what is in God's word. Then we can worship in spirit and truth together as a body. And it's not dead, lifeless, legalistic worship because that's not worshiping in, in spirit. It might be in truth if you're going back to the law, but the spirit is absent. But we have to worship in spirit, but still look to his word to make sure we're not off the rails doing this other man-made stuff. So we want to worship in spirit and in truth when we do that, along with these other things we've talked about, the gathering of the saints, the lifting up holy hands, the praying to one another, or praying with one another, singing his praises, spirit and truth, when we're doing all these things together, man, God is glorified and he is pleased with that. He is pleased with our worship. And that's our goal, right? We want to come together as a spirit, uh, spirit-filled body of believers, we are the bride of Christ. We want to gather together in unity and in worship. 
sincere worship that brings glory to God. That we can rejoice and praise Him for our salvation. We can praise Him for the grace that we do not deserve. And we can write a book forever about all the things we can praise God for. So we can't walk in this building and say, I don't have a reason to praise. We all have a reason to praise, to give thanks, to glorify God because He's worthy of our praise. And He is pleased when His people gather together and worship Him in spirit and in truth. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that we have to gather together in this way, to gather together as our brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship you in spirit and in truth, and to look to your word, to pray to you, and to sing your praises. So Lord, as we celebrate today our freedom, God, help us to remember that we find our true freedom is found in you. And if there's anyone in here this morning who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, speak to their heart. Make it evident to them that they need you. They don't want to be apart from you. So, Father, we thank you for what you've done and for what you're doing. We just praise you this morning. And all God's people said, Amen.